0: Hello and welcome uh, to this Nuria On Your Mind podcast with me, Yuan Trocmé and Victor Sonnebeck. We've had a summer pause for the Nuria On Your Mind report and now a fresh one is out. Uh, surprise, surprise with the uh, coronavirus topic. This one called Coronavirus Plan B. Now, during the spring, in the midst of... Well, the greatest intensity of the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, we published several of the Omid reports uh, looking at uh, the the crisis caused by COVID nineteen from several different angles, from supply chains through to uh, balance sheet health, uh, to looking at the oil industry, one of the hardest hits worldwide, uh, in, in uh, our latest Omid uh, report in June. And what we decided uh, was that we wanted to take a fresh look, to step back, uh, take in all the impressions, look at how bad the second quarter was for the corporate sector and and, and really try to determine what can we expect next from this pandemic. And at this point, now that we've come as far as we have, what should corporates do? And and how have they actually fared uh, so far? And there is a contrast, to say the least, between, on the one hand, what has happened out there in the real economy, uh, what has happened to corporate financial performance, and and what has happened to capital markets. There's been a a pretty impressive rally uh, after the shock of the spring. Uh, Victor, if if you start at that end, uh, how how would you describe the rally that we have seen uh, across capital markets?
1: first of all happy to to be back after the summer with this uh, this uh, hopefully interesting piece and uh, i th- i think we can start by saying that there there is this big contrast between uh, between uh, pre-crisis and post-crisis in that there was a lot of uncertainty and uh, especially looking at the markets we saw uh, most of all in in March and April uh, pretty shaky markets and that was much due to the the, the high uncertainty when it comes to what will happen with the development uh, of uh, the coronavirus. How exactly will that affect uh, economies and, and corporates around the world? And uh, perhaps one of the most important factors uh, in in this crisis, how will uh, governments and, and policymakers around the world respond to this crisis? So from an initial quite scary and quite quite heavy shock uh, in in. In the, the end of the first quarter and the beginning of the second quarter we have seen a massive rebound in in, in capital markets so, so equity markets have uh, almost globally uh, gone gone back up to the levels they were pre-crisis and even above them uh, and looking at the the uh, uh, debt side of markets uh, so, so in this case the itrax uh, main and the crossover so high yield and investment grade companies uh, from a massive shock they have started to come down a bit again in in spreads so so funding costs uh, have reduced uh, massively compared to the peaks uh, during the the highest of uncertainty
0: and no one has a template for what we should expect right since this pandemic is something completely new but but we do have a a crisis a, a little more than 10 years back the global financial crisis and if you Compare that with the development that we've seen during the the COVID nineteen pandemic. Can we compare and and see how how bad it was then and how bad it's been now?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where we are in in a good spot when it comes to data right now because we do know how have how has the performance for companies developed during the second quarter, and we can compare that to how to two things how quickly. Uh, did did the uh, world economy uh, collapse during the financial crisis uh, and then also how deep was the decline so just as a quick comparison we 've looked at how uh, uh, how long after the crisis started so so in this case we have data for two quarters uh, for for the covid nineteen pandemic um, and what was the corresponding decline in in revenue and EBTA during the financial crisis and when it comes to the covid nineteen crisis we see that it 's actually worse it's been more rapid, and we've seen a revenue decline uh, from the previous peak quarter um, during the covid nineteen crisis of around twenty percent globally uh, and after two quarters in the financial crisis, that uh, figure was around fifteen percent um, but what is really interesting here and I think we're gonna gonna come back to that even more is that if you look at if you look more towards the bottom lines looking at the EBTA instead it's a massive difference in that companies during the COVID-19 crisis have fared much better than they did during the, the financial crisis. So after two quarters, we had a decline in EBTA during the financial crisis of almost 40%, um, whereas during the COVID-19 crisis, we've had around 15%. So a smaller decline in EBTA uh, than, we, than we've seen in uh, in revenue, which is quite interesting.
0: How is that been possible? It, it sounds almost too good to be true.
1: Yeah, I mean, typically it should be right because if if you if you look at a typical company, you have you have financial leverage in your business. You have, you have leverage in that if your if if your revenue is is increased by X amount or, or decreased by X amount in this case, typically your bottom line should shrink more, right? Because you have you have costs that you can't simply uh, costs that can't disappear at the same pace as your your top line does. Um, but in this case, we actually see the opposite, and I mean th- this. This has to do with a lot of factors, but but I think one of the key ones we would argue would be the uh, substantial government support that we've seen around the world. Um, on, on the one side, with with uh, helping capital markets, so so helping uh, companies being able to fund uh, fund themselves um, at reasonable cost, uh, but at the same time, especially as we've seen in the Nordics. Um, helping companies with uh, with uh, temporary layoffs and and other type of support
0: right so so quite different from 2008 and 2009
1: Uh, quite different Um, and and also given the nature of the shock it's interesting to see how different it has been um, if we compare sectors so, so, obviously, this has led to a kind of spread, if you will, in that some sectors have performed quite well. If you look at the IT sector, <laughs> for example, given that we're doing this, uh, this at a distance from each other, recording this, uh, this podcast uh, online rather than, than sitting next to each other, there has been this, this massive increase and a massive drive towards a higher degree of, of digitalization, uh, which, of course, helps those companies. But at the same time, if you look at... Uh, I guess energy market is, is, uh, is an obvious one, uh, given the, the shock in the oil price, uh, but also another one would be airlines and hotels. Um, so, so there's a big difference here in how sectors have been affected uh, and also how, uh, how consumer behavior uh, has been affected.
0: Right. Being stuck at home means when we're not traveling, not the same need for fuel. And not the same. Not the same ability to go shopping.
1: Yeah. So, so I guess the question now is, uh, if you wanna wanna talk a bit more about how could this, uh, how could could a long term recovery look like, and what would be the key key measures or, or key factors uh, f- for for making this possible?
0: Right. The big the big question, and and to try and, and and frame it, what is it that we would need to see to have some sort of normal. Uh, come back. It, it it would ultimately be consumers worldwide feeling they no longer need to worry significantly about getting COVID-19, getting sick, or, or even or even dying. And 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 what is needed in order for consumers across the world to feel that, to feel safe again, and no longer have a constraint to what we like to experience, what we like to buy, where we like to travel, whatever and 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 the obvious solution would be a vaccine becoming available, meaning that we achieve a level of immunity in the world population uh, so that covid nineteen is is no longer a, a health concern. Uh, and vaccine development is unprecedented uh, looking at the, the amount of resources being pumped into the pharmaceutical industry to to develop a vaccine um, and and uh, this is, of course, good news. Uh, we are fundamentally optimistic about the prospects for a vaccine. Uh, having discussed this with uh, our, our healthcare analyst, uh, Michael Novod uh, from Equity Research, um, we include his views in our report. Uh, and, and, and based on this, we believe a, a vaccine is likely to be approved for use between three and six months. So, so actually quite soon. But that's not all there is to it. It, It's one thing for a vaccine to exist and to be approved for use, but it's another thing for it to actually be produced. Production needs to be ramped up. Uh, It needs to be distributed. And this is a key thing. Uh, There was a study uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a big study by uh, the HL Deutsche Post together with McKinsey, where they looked at the availability of cold storage transport for the last-mile delivery of vaccines to health centers uh, across the world and they concluded in the study that for about two-thirds of the global population, that's about five billion people, uh, that cold storage was simply not available. Now, technically, it can be made available. Uh, it's not a matter of a physical impossibility, but it needs to be resolved. Without it, a big chunk of the world's population. Billions of people will not be able to take delivery of vaccine. So, so if I uh,
1: understand you correctly here, you're saying that even if we magically had this this fantastic cure right away, let's, let's say that we get it tomorrow, we would still have a lot of challenges with the distribution and, and with the vaccinations in themselves.
0: Exactly. And, and that last thing, the vaccination itself, is, is another factor because... For a big share of 7.8 billion people in the world to actually be vaccinated, to to get the shots, uh, that will also require some time, probably something like six months. Uh, So so it's it's not that this can't be done, but it's a matter of the process from when a vaccine is approved for use and for a big share of the global population being vaccinated and having at least a temporary immunity to to the COVID-19 virus. Uh, that's the point where it will, in effect, no longer be, be a health concern. And and, and this, this is just, we think, important to remember because for capital markets, it, it's natural to want to pick up news flow, to look closely, of course, as I'm sure that the players in the, the capital markets are doing day by day what's happening in vaccine development and try to be a step ahead and then discount into the prospects for listed companies, um, what does that mean for what demand could be like uh, in the years ahead? But but if you're a corporate, and we try to take the perspective of the corporates in, in, in our thematic research, if, if you are responsible for running a business, we just want to make sure that you're able to look through the noise and not base your view of what's going to happen to the economy, what's going to happen to the world, what's going to happen to demand on where our share prices today or where our credit spreads today, but to be aware that in real life, there will be an amount of time required until we get to the point where COVID-19 is no longer a health concern and where it should not affect consumer behavior in, in, in a negative way.
1: So a, a gradual a gradual improvement uh, over time rather than than from a specific date when there is a vaccination, then everything will be fine.
0: I think that's fair to describe it like that, that it's going to be a process, a step-by-step process, and also the, the, the time factor that you mentioned. I mean, if, if you ask the WHO, they have said that they would expect that it could require two years from a vaccine being available until you can potentially declare the pandemic over. Now, consumer confidence might improve before there is an official declaration that the pandemic is over, but again, two years is a very long time period. And and this is important to be aware of since if we, for example, look at consensus forecasts for listed companies, we can see that consensus forecasts bottomed in June and have since ticked up a bit, and consensus forecasts for next year, 2021, currently stipulate that companies globally are going to have higher revenues and higher EBITDA next year than they did in 2019, which is a year where COVID-19 had, had, had not yet broken out. So if you just think think about that for a moment, it, 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 it's, it's an interesting observation, right?
1: Exactly, and compared to, to historical figures, uh, 2019 w- was quite a good year as well. Um, Absolutely. So you've had, a, you've had quite some growth in both in top line and bottom line. And and as you're saying, now now the expectation is that already in 2021, we're going to be not only back to those levels, but we're going to be above those levels. And I don't have the exact figures ahead of me, uh, but I think it's something like 3 to 5% growth in, in revenue compared to pre, pre-crisis. Uh, and even more in in, uh, ebta um, which uh, i guess as you're saying kind of begs the question will it be that that rapid uh, the increase
0: and another way of trying to describe it might be that 2020 will in a way be a bit of a lost year for corporate profits since since the lockdown measures have kept consumers at home since demand has collapsed you mentioned almost a 20% drop in demand in one quarter, in the second quarter. That That's pretty drastic. But looking at these consensus forecasts, what they are telling us now is that the entire setback from 2020, from the pandemic, will have been made up for, and more, already next year.
1: Yeah, it, it, it really is an, an interesting picture there. And, and one part of our report, uh, we discuss a bit about what things could change going forward so, so do we see any specific topics or any specific areas where where people will have changed their their consumer behavior um, as a result of the the covid pandemic, but also where this change will will stick where it will be more permanent, for example, people buying more outdoor gear uh, going camping more instead of instead of uh, flying and uh, and things like that, uh, do you have any specific uh, sp- specific topics there you want that you want to bring up? Just share some thoughts on
0: I, th- I think that the way to look at it is just to think of some pretty concrete and obvious examples of where irrespective of how quickly might a vaccine become available, how successful will it be, how long might it take to to vaccinate people worldwide there might be changes brought by the pandemic which are permanent in nature changes to consumer behavior and 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 very important for corporates in those industries to be aware of that and just to include in their planning in their contingency planning that even with a positive scenario for vaccine development they 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 might need to face a new normal post the pandemic rather than the old normal we came from in 2019 And, and and the ones that i think are kind of obvious in standing out are travel and hospitality, both business travel and leisure travel, where we might not travel in the future as much as we did in the past and and where the mix of destinations might be different. Uh, You mentioned camper vans, maybe not all of us would opt for that during the summer holiday, but certainly there might be more trips to a domestic destination or, or in the case of us in the Nordics a European destination rather than flying to the Maldives or to Thailand or to Hawaii. Um, business travel might get replaced to some extent by video conferencing uh, since what we have seen so far during this pandemic is that it, it's, it's, it's worked apparently quite well uh, as a substitute. Retail is another great example, I think. We've looked in the past a couple of times at, at, at online retail, at e-commerce. And, and, and what we can see from data now is that the, the category that really stands out in, in, in retail sales that has done well uh, is, is online retail, where the shift from store shopping to online shopping has accelerated. And, and just to mention another one, um, remote working. If, if like we are recording this podcast now, if in the future uh, people are more, more often, or or to a great extent, going to work from home, that might affect not only the demand for travel but also actually the need for office space, which could have a, a significant impact in the real estate sector. Uh, if, if 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 that's going to be a change of of lasting nature, so so there are. There are pretty strong examples of areas where the structural change is a factor which is very important to consider beyond what needs to be uh, be aware of uh, regarding the development of the pandemic uh, as such.
1: So so I guess there are a few questions here, with the first one being, is it reasonable to expect back to normal and even better again in, in the next year already? And then the next question would be, Will this happen across the board, or, or will there be lasting effects that will affect companies differently? And then, of course, the, the last question: How how should companies think about this? How how should they prepare? How should they they uh, how should they plan for for the eventuality? or the, the possibility of things not reaching back to, to expectations or, or back to normal.
0: Yeah, that's actually a, a really good way of putting it. And it, it, it ties in nicely to the title for this report we've, we've done, uh, Coronavirus Plan B, because what we are arguing here is that for corporates, it's important to have a Plan B to use in case the outcome in the next year or two regarding vaccine development does not turn out to be as benign as what, for example, seems to be suggested by current consensus forecasts out there in the markets today. But also, as we've just talked about, not only for vaccine development, for the pandemic, but also for structural change driven by changes in consumer behavior brought on by the pandemic, which which, which might be there for a number of corporates, which, which is also something they, of course, need to take in. And, and, and need to allow for in, in how they want to run their business going forward. On a practical level, this, this can have to do with financial contingency planning, like uh, what level of liquidity should you have as a buffer in your business? Do you need additional funding? Uh, do you even need additional equity capital to ensure that you can cope if it takes longer than hoped before we get back to a new normality, or if that new normality turns out to be very different than perhaps in some ways more demanding than the old normal uh, or both. Yeah.
1: So uh, have a think about the, uh, the possibilities going forward, I guess. And, and then, of course, for each individual company, the, the, uh, the things that may affect your business long term, um, as well as the short term, of course.
0: Exactly. Don't assume that COVID-19 will be a non-issue already next year. Plan uh, for that not being the case, and ensure that you can cope if if, if that turns out to be the actual outcome. That that would be our advice. Thank you all very much for uh, listening in to this podcast. Uh, look forward to uh, again uh, seeing you next time uh, for our new no on Your Mind uh, in October, which is going to be about Industry 4.0. Uh, revolution or evolution.